The last time we recorded a show, you got to hear Michael making some dirty, dirty man sounds. Dirty sounds. Dirty man sounds. The sounds that a dirty man makes. But today, tonight, well, whenever you're listening to this, actually, because this is recorded for your viewing, listening, pleasure, and convenience, um... You don't get to hear those dirty sounds. You just get to hear the sweet, sweet introduction and outro from our good friend Johnny Moore. Thank you again for that wonderful music that makes this show pop. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael the Killer Murphy. Why am I the killer? That's not a good thing to be. Because you just take takes and you kill them. You take them down. Oh. You're the you're the take killer, uh, and this is bantering the blue shirts, a twice a week podcast about the shirts that are blue. The New York Rangers. Hello, we're everybody. Big on, we're big on blue shirts. We're big with blue shirt banter, bantering the blue shirts. You know who's uh, not a blue shirt anymore, Joe? Who's Cody McLeod? Oh, look at you! See, this is why we pay you the big bucks. Seasoned veteran over here, the much big like Cody McLeod big bucks so the new york rangers acquired cody mcleod off the waiver wire about this time last year right it was relatively uh it was late in the season cody mcleod played in some hockey games he did not play that well but that is not the purpose that he was here the new york rangers decided to re-sign cody mcleod to a one-year deal i believe worth seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year for some of that toughness so that as larry brooks said the rangers would not be and i quote lambs for the slaughter whatever that means and just last week cody mcleod gets traded to the nashville predators michael the team that he originally came from for a seventh round pick in the 2020 nhl entry draft that is what i like to call asset management what are your thoughts on this michael I mean, it's a it's a very modest return for a player who had, frankly, next to no value. Um, you know, from what we've what we know about McLeod, I think you know Manny uh, tweeted something. You know, with in terms of uh, player score, you know, and, and game score, and the player ratings, that McLeod was technically the worst skater in the league this year. Um, so to get anything for him is a success. But really, I look at it as I'm, I was my initial reaction was this is good news if nothing else because it's one less guy to be in the way of giving a kid a roster spot post trade deadline. Um, and then what you know. happened against Toronto? Well, you know, David Quinn decided to scratch Lettieri, but uh, and make seven defensemen once again. But I think it's important to, to look at the fact that Letary actually got to draw back into the lineup. And it, it would be um, to kind of connect this to an article that Adam wrote recently about um, something else I've been talking about recently in uh, Rangers Radar on Banter is like the Wolfpack are a terrible team right now. Uh, they they just recently snapped, I think it's a nine-game losing streak, Joe, on uh, Saturday, I believe it was, uh, in a 2-1 to one victory over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And uh, the very next day, they lost again. So it's one win in their last 10 games. It's not good, Joe. It's not a good and thing. And Letary was actually, he's playing well for the Wolfpack. Letary is yeah, he's scoring what, I, there. He's he's the, what I consider a quadruple A player. That's a baseball reference for you. He's not good enough for the NHL, but he's a very good AHL player. That's really what I think he is. And um, I think he really, 
Like, he's kind of on his last legs here, you would think, in terms of an NHL future, at least on Broadway. And if you can't make this team without McLeod, that's a problem. So the Rangers call Lettieri up. He comes up. He plays on his birthday. And the Rangers go with seven defensemen again uh, in the very next game. So probably not the best indictment for uh, our good friend there, Vincent. But, you know, the Rangers have, like, actual talent in the wings, and that's not a shot at Lettieri. He very well may be a solid depth NHL forward. Just I don't see it happening on Broadway. So Yeah, not yet. I mean, it's... Or ever. Yeah, but, you know, like, looking at what he does in the AHL, he's like a high-shot volume uh, goal-scoring winger, but he's undersized. You know, he's was never really supposed to be a guy who became like a top six guy in the NHL. That was never really in the cards for him. Uh, whether or not he can turn himself into something like, you know, a, a third line winger who can chip in, you know, who's good at getting shots on net and getting under player's skin it remains to be seen. But I, there are definitely some holes in his game away from the puck and all that. But, you know, he's, like you said, he's he's not quite there. He's, and that's not the end of the world. But what's what I was going to say uh, is... The state of the wolf pack is such, Joe, that it's almost better if the guys who are in Hartford now, pretty much all all the important ones get up to the NHL level because the Rangers are going to have to fill holes after they trade guys, right? And the bottom line is that like the wolf pack are just not good enough this season. And if you only take up a couple guys, like if you take Lateri away from them and you know, you just leave like just Peter Holland there with, you know, someone like Billy Meskinen, it's just, it's not going to be a favor done for anyone. Uh, I, I'm optimistic about what the team is going to look like in terms of kids getting a real chance, like someone like even John Gilmore getting another look after the trade deadline, but we'll have to kind of have to see how everything pans out. But the McLeod trade is a start. Uh, it is only a seventh round pick, Joe, but you know what? I'll take it considering, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's I mean, I saw win, people win, win. like, it's a like, small just, win, but just it's the a, seventh round pick, nice relax. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking lottery ticket, guys. Like, that's what these things are. Yeah. You, you know, it's who's magic the seventh beans, round pick? We're, we're in the Lundquist. business of buying magic beans right now. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that this every seventh round pick is going to turn into Henrik Lundqvist. Far from it. But you get good players there and you don't have a chance to win that scratch off unless you have the ticket to scratch off. So I, I just, I'll never understand this ideology of, well, you know, if it's beyond like a, th- a second round pick, it's useless. Like, yeah, it doesn't have as much value as a first round pick or, you know, for a seventh round pick, the opportunity to, to grab even a uh, depth NHL player is absolutely like you're talking bottom of the barrel percentage wise, but it's a, it's a lottery ticket. And it's for a guy, you know, look, Cody McLeod did what he was supposed to do, right? Like, he was here for a reason. He fulfilled that reason. That reason had nothing to do with being a good hockey player. I, I think that's, you know, I think that's a reality. He was here to be a better teammate than a hockey player. And right, and, and that's by that all why accounts, Nashville that's what it was. was. Yeah, that's, what Nash, that's why Nashville was willing to to pay the price they did. And, you know, they, they lost Ronaldo for the rest of the season, and, uh, you know, before the McLeod trade, Joe, they traded a second-round pick to get Brian Boyle, which is... Uh, former Ranger Brian Boyle. For, former Ranger Brian Boyle, which in and of itself is quite a thing, that Brian Boyle is worth a second-round pick. Um, at, uh, McLeod's stats here. He had uh, 
he he's had a very long NHL career. I did not realize that. He's thirty four. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He had fifteen goals for yeah. Colorado. Yeah. But that so, was literally and 162 penalty minutes. Well, yeah, but that, the game was also different even back then. Um, so, Cody McLeod, goodbye. It was good seeing you. Thank you for coming and playing, and um, enjoy your shot at the Stanley Cup because yep, you're not going to get that here on Broadway. The New York Rangers on Alexander Georgiev's birthday said, Georgiev, "Hey, you know Jeff. what, kid? Georgiev, 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 George, George." Costanza. Um, they said, you know what, kid? Why don't you play against Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares? And guess what he did, Michael? He had... F- a fat 55 saves. I've been thinking about this. I, In terms of a single-game performance of a goaltender, this is probably the best we've seen that isn't Lundquist since we saw Richter here. Like, can you think of... A single game from anybody, even like it doesn't have to be a, a young kid. Like it, it, at any point, did like Dan Blackburn have an outstanding game, or you know, Weeksy, or like like Valaket? I mean, I'm sure Valaket um, had a great great game. Blackburn but had like that. He, Blackburn had a couple of games where he. But was did like, he have a 55 save game no, against the, one of the best offenses in the league at the time? Like, definitely not. It was unbelievable. I watched every second of that game. I was just. On the power play alone, what was it at that point? Like, uh, he had 21 saves on the power play at one point, and it was like we weren't even halfway through the second period, and I was just shaking my head. He just highway robbery on Tavares, and then, you know, stopping Matthews, stopping all these second and third chances, and you know, it was just. I don't know, Joe. It was it was a delight to see. It really was, and it, it feels was, like it was... in many ways it, it was something the team might have needed is to have a young kid like that step up and have a big game because it feels like things have been kind of, you know, drifting in this weird place where it's just been this one-line show for the Rangers and they've continued to lose games and the best storylines lately are, you know, Zabinajad and Zuccarello have been brilliant, but how long is Zuccarello going to be here? Probably. I mean, that could have been his last home game for all we know. I mean, look, the Rangers... The Rangers are going to have a couple of goaltending decisions to make next year when just Yorkin comes over and they're kind of dealing with it. You having three legitimate goaltenders who are all capable of putting up NHL minutes. Now, I think just Yorkin's probably going to start in the AHL, and that's kind of expected, but he could, for all we know, explode onto the scene and suddenly become this just magical unicorn the same way that Lundqvist did. Um, no, I, I, I don't think there's been a non-Lundqvist performance like that. You're right, it was beautiful to watch. It was also terrifying to watch because it, it, it felt a lot like the Vigneault's last year with the Rangers where the Rangers were scoring like I don't know, four goals on 10 shots, and everybody was saying, but they're winning hockey games. But, yeah, it's not sustainable. Like, you play that game 10 times, you're going to lose nine and a half of them. And the Rangers, you know, happened to get lucky, and they beat Toronto, and wonderful. The 4-1 scoreline is very flattering to a team that did not play that well. But uh, the goalie stood on his head. It's good for his confidence. It's good for the New York Rangers. It's, I mean... You got to get a couple of those wins in there, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, to make everybody think, oh, okay, at least we're, you know, showing some hey, signs of life here. At least it's not it's here. not an overtime or shootout loss point or overtime right. loss. Like so, it's just a surprising win that 
you know, it's a great story of a kid who comes up big and On it's the birthday. sort of thing you, you, sweet, you sweet hope birthday. to see. Uh, you know, he's set... You know, last goalie to have that kind of a game on his birthday was Lundqvist. I mean, you can't you can't write it up any better than that. It was pretty great. I mean, you could write it up better that he's winning the Stanley Cup, but I mean, Jesus, yeah. Joe. No, I'm just saying it's. it's I ju- I'm just, trying to keep uh, it in the realm just, of. Just, the Rangers, by the way, 56 points in 55 games. They are six, three, and one in their last ten. And uh, oof, moving farther and farther away from the bottom of the barrel here. Although they've gotten a little bit of help, Chicago's gone on a bit of a run. They're seven two and one their last ten. Florida's six and four their last ten. Los Angeles is six two and two their last ten. So Anaheim obviously taking a oh huge. My God. Anaheim. Yeah, Anaheim is tanking. So, um, but the Rangers, interestingly enough, leapfrogged Colorado. In points, by the way, sources have confirmed to Blue Shirt Panther that conversations with Colorado have taken a turn. It sounds like the uh, Rangers having a bye week and then Colorado having a bye week kind of soured things. And then Colorado got a better look at what they are and were not thrilled with the prospect of buying. So, yeah. But the Rangers are, and again, they're going to get worse. Zuccarello is going to be gone. Hayes is going to be gone. McQuaid is going to be gone. McLeod is gone. I mean, the Rangers are going to get worse. Hayes and Zuccarello, that's an enormous amount of offense leaving the team. So, and potentially Kreider, I guess. I mean, Kreider's being linked to Calgary. Kreider's being linked to Nashville. You know, there's a yeah, lot of the Kreider stuff going is, on. It's just it's not going away. No, it's not going away. And when there's smoke, there's fire. So, listen, we've had a pretty advanced talks about Kreider's worth, what he's going to be worth when he has to sign that contract extension, what he's worth right now, you know, the New York Rangers and where they stand to gain from having a guy like Kreider stick around, you know, beyond his prime. And I don't think I'm going to be upset regardless of what happens with Kreider. If he gets, you know, an eight-year deal worth $80 million, obviously that's a problem. To me, I think the hard stop on Kreider term-wise is six years, and I don't think I would go much above $6 million at six years. You know, you want to do five or four years, you want to go a little bit higher, that's fine, but that's kind of the sweet spot for me with Christopher Kreider. And you're not going to have Hayes. You're not going to have Zuccarello. You want to have some veteran leadership to hang out with McLeod, or not McLeod, to hang out with Zabanajad and Buchnevich and whatnot. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, it's going to get ugly fast, folks. Yeah, and that's why I know a lot of people are, like, uh, you know, very nervous about how the team is going in the wrong direction from the bottom of the standings. But after the trade deadline, things are going to look a lot different. I mean, the only other team... That like really sings out to me that they're gonna just nosedive even more is Ottawa, um, but Ottawa is already at the bottom. Uh, but you know, the not every team that has this sort of rough record like the Rangers have, you know, has as many assets to give up. Like the Devils don't have the the sorts of assets to give up. It's kind of amazing they got Boyle, uh, what they got back for Boyle. Um, yeah, it, it it almost. Again, very different players, and, and depth guys like Boyle always go for more than they should. But really yeah, starting really to think, I'm not. I'm expecting a first-round pick from Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, that's what I was starting to like. That was the my kind of, you know, shooting from the hip all of a sudden. Like, if this is what Boyle gets, why would Zuccarello not be worth, worth a first-round pick or a great prospect in a second or... 
you know, maybe more of a package, you know, a, certainly a package bigger than what we saw Grabner go for. And that was kind of what we were, we were expecting just generally better than the Grabner deal, but it was hard to say how much better, Joe. And now it's looking more and more like, I mean, given what he's done lately, I mean, it's it's kind of heartbreaking in a way, but Zuccarello is really just, with each game he plays where he's playing as well as he has, he's... Playing you know, himself off the team. Yeah, he's just packing his bags, you know, more and more. Um, oh, yeah, it's... But it's it's great for the Rangers because, you know, we all remember how rough of a start he had to the season. And, you know, to see him put this together lately and to, to really be the player that we know he can be. Um, I mean, his last stretch of games has just been unbelievable. It's, I think, what was it, against Carolina was the first time he was held off the score sheet in like ages. He's just been just piling up points, having all sorts of multi-point games. It's it's crazy. He's been on an unbelievable run really since mid-January. I mean, it's come at the right time, hasn't it? Like Zuccarello, yeah, right he's got 32 points in 41 games. It's From a point-per-game played standpoint, Matt Zuccarello is better than all but Hayes and Zibanejad. So... It's been an impressive run, especially when you consider just like he, we were at the point where we were talking about a the way that this whole trade situation was impacting Zuccarello. Um, B like it, to the that was our most listened to podcast on the Vox Network was the Zuccarello's feeling one, and the like search engine tracker was all Zuccarello related things. Like people yeah. wanted to know what was going on with Matt Zuccarello. And now you have a guy who literally cannot stop hitting the score sheet. Yeah, it's 17 he, points in his last 11. I just checked, it, Joe. Oh, it's, my God. that's It's insane. He, he's just, just he, uh, he's exploding. And, and that's exactly what the New York crazy. Rangers want. This is exactly what they want. But you have to remember that, A, you're dealing with a human being, right? Yeah. And you're dealing with somebody who very likely does not want to leave New York and knows that he's going to have to. And the New York Rangers, I mean, you're, you're not even in a position to try to find a nice home for him. You know what I mean? You have to be kind of a cutthroat salesman and get the best deal that you can. So it's, it, listen, is he going to go to Calgary? Nashville's apparently still open to making a deal. Um, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. Boston is, uh, there's so many options for these players right now. And I just find it very, very difficult to kind of imagine, you know, life without Zuccarello, but we're going to have to. And he's playing maybe some of the best hockey of his career. And I don't think it's insane to say that. I also don't think it's insane to say that, you know, Mika Zibanejad's eruption has something to do with it as well. But Matt Zuccarello is that you're getting a quality hockey player. And that you have to pay for it. You have to. You do, right? Especially we know what he can do in the power play. But what's most impressive to me is how so much of what him and Zib have been able to do lately is this impact at 5-on-5 with Kreider. And, you know, it's fascinating now because, you know, it's it's very clear that Zibanejad is not going anywhere. But, you know, there's not only is Zuccarello, you know, building up his trade value, but Kreider is playing in such a way where, I mean, you just can't ignore him. He stands out in every game he plays, just like Zuccarello. And, you know, what was it, you know, last night he picked up two assists in that game. He's, it's a similar story with Kreider. It just, 
it's it's the sort of player we were hoping we'd see. And like I know on the NBC broadcast, they're saying he's on pace for uh, 33 or 36. I forget which one. And you know, this is a guy who you know we we all expected great things from, and it, you know, it was kind of slow in developing. And now he's that player again. He's the player that we thought he would be. And it's kind of a shame that there's so much talk about trading him because. It feels like it's all coming together for him now as a 27-year-old. But, I mean, this is the business side of hockey, Joe, is uh, a lot of these guys who it's impossible not to love, like the Criders and Zuccarellos and, you know, the, the Kevin Hayes like, it's the Rangers are in a really, really tough position. And generally, the less you want to trade a player, the more value they have, right? Yeah, for the most part, that's what it comes rule. down to. It's a decent rule to follow. Is, and, uh, yeah. Chris Kreider and Matt Zuccarello fit in that category completely. Uh, I think there's... I don't know how many people feel that way about Kevin Hayes. I certainly do. McQuaid is obviously a completely different situation because I'm not as as involved with, you know, I know what's going to happen there. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kreider got traded. I really wouldn't be. I mean, Nashville... And here's another thing. So we were... A couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, there was just a, a kind of an eruption on social media about how um, Pavel Buchnevich was untouchable a couple of years ago, and now he's not, and just sort of this mocking undertone of, like, information changing, and we may have even talked about it on the podcast, like, inf- information changes, it's fluid, right? Like, the things that you and I say today are not necessarily the, the things that are going to be true tomorrow. This is the stuff that we believe to be true with the information that we have right now. And to reject that notion, like, why even say anything then? So, uh, Tolvanen, the prized prospect of the 2017 NHL draft, who was completely untouchable by Nashville last year, is apparently on the market this year. And like we discussed last week, Adam said it best, when you're trading for another team's prospect, you're always trading at a disadvantage. Like, why is he available? I think George uh, Ranger Smurf said that too. Like, when a guy like Tolvanen goes from completely untouchable to, yeah, we're going to dangle him to see what we can get in a year. Like, yeah, something's going on there. And he's obviously not having the best year in the AHL. But there's going to be options out there. And, and if you're telling me that Nashville's willing to give a first-round pick, Tolvanen and uh, you know, another prospect or maybe a conditional pick for Chris Kreider, well, you got to have conversations like that. And they're difficult conversations. And if it makes the Rangers even worse this year and you could play for Hughes, then so be it. But it's, it's not an easy game to be a rebuilding team. And, and you really have to... Pick your shots carefully, and I right, think that's, got, that deal has that's to be what's perfect. important to keep in mind, especially when we we consider the future of someone like Kreider, where he's not, he wouldn't be a rental. He would be a different sort of trade, which means he would, by definition, bring back more than a rental. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past with teams, and you know, Kreider is a really reasonable cap hit if you're going to treat him like the top six. And really, I think this year, it's safe to say the top line winger that he is. I think he's fourth in the NHL in goals above replacement this year. I mean, yeah, he's... It's an insane deal. For a team that wants to compete for a cup this season and next season, uh, there are not many wingers that will only take up like 4.625 of the cap or whatever his cap hit is, you know, next season. Like, you're only buying him in his, his prime. You get two cup runs out of him. But, 
I mean, but you get two cup runs out of him. But you get a pretty damn good player, and you know, and a guy who's not going to take up too much cap space, which is a big part of this, as we all know. And you know, I I haven't looked closely, but you know, it might line up in a good way with you know what might happen in terms of uh you know the next the next CBA and everything else. So I I don't know, Joe. I I, it's funny because. For the last month or so, I was kind of—I feel like I was like talking myself into the fact that Kreider wasn't going to go anywhere, just because he just looked too valuable to the team in terms of its character and its like, uh, you know, and its overall culture. It, he was too important, right? But what we've learned here is no one's too important, Joe. If like if you're not nailed down, and really that means you know a full no trade or your your Henrik Lundqvist really is the, is the big exception, you can go. You can go. And uh, if the right deal is there for Kreider, I fully expect Gorton to pull the trigger because, honestly, it's probably the right thing to do. And, You'd hope so, right? Like There should there be very few yeah, untouchables on this hockey team. That's that's really the bottom line is they the Rangers can't... I mean, if it, it's an ugly thing to say, but if, if the situation was different with Lundqvist, if someone out there was willing to buy him, the right move undoubtedly would be to move him, as painful as that would be. Like, it would be the right thing to do because he's not going to help this team when they're on the other side of this rebuild. I mean, but the situation being what it is, there's, he's not really part of that as an option. Instead, you have... You know, we know for sure that Zabinajad is someone they want to build around, and it, it appears that Brady Shea is or was one of those guys. And then they have, you know, the kids who are untouchable. And, you know, now people are saying, oh, what about Booch? Like, I mean, if, if Buchnevich has to go the other way in a trade that gets the Rangers to a better prospect, then so be it. I mean, it would be a shame in, in its own way because we wouldn't be able to really see him come into his own, but it's. And it'd also be selling low on him, which would be perilous. But it's it is what it is. If that's what's going to get you, you know, another big package or another great prospect that is undoubtedly going to be better. He's just not maybe ready the way that Buchnevich is now. Then I say you have to go for those things. Yeah, and I'm the biggest Buchnevich defender on the planet, and I would tell you that that's absolutely a direction that the New York Rangers like. If that, if that's an option on the table, you need to go in that direction. You know what I mean? Like the Rangers as a whole. Um, you're not in a position to say no to anybody, right? You have to listen to everything. Yeah. I would tell you that Heedle's untouchable right now. I would tell you that Vitaly Kravstov is untouchable. Um, I would tell you that Ke'Andre Miller is untouchable. Really, aside from those three players, yeah, I, I was think about you to could say, have that's, anybody that's the on bottom of the roster, barrel, right? If you really wanted to, I think you could have anyone. And we're not used to being in that situation, right? It's a this no. is a very different position when you're talking about the New York Rangers that we're used to and the New York Rangers that we're rooting for right now. And if it makes the team better, it makes the team better. Period. End of story. No questions asked. So, uh, yeah, it, it, what I, I'd hate to see Buchnevich lose or not lose, be traded. Um, I'd hate to see Kreider traded, but you have to swing for upside. And a guy like Tolvanen is upside. He's got 18 points in 34 AHL games this year. He only had four points, no goals, in seven World Junior Championship games this year. I mean, you this know is what? A kid but I also who, know is he had 36, he had 36 points, in, points in 49 KHL games. Yeah. 
in all those KHL games. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm, I'm you again. You you buy low if you can, and I certainly think you'd be buying low at this point for a guy like him. But those are the risks that you have to take. You know what I mean? I agree. It's uh, I. You swing for upside. You swing you for the need, fences. You don't swing for a single. The Rangers need someone like a scoring winger. That just we know that, right? We also know that Tolvanen is not a big guy, uh, which is why he went as late as he did in the 2017 draft. But he's a goal-scoring winger who's 19 years old. Uh, he's adjusting to the North American game, and his numbers are a little modest in the AHL right now. Uh, that doesn't scare me very much. What I see, what I pay more attention to is how he competed against men in a setting that he was more comfortable uh, with uh, Jokerit. He had 49 goals in the regular season and six goals in 11 games in the playoffs last year. That's fine. He's he's great. He's a great player. Um, he's if he's if a prospect of his caliber can be had, then I hope the Rangers are you know saying you know we have Kevin Hayes and we know you know you guys are looking for forwards. You got to, um, but you got to trade something to get him. You know what I mean? You got to. That's not going to be. I don't even know Hayes is enough to pull him away. But I, I'm not seeing. It's hard to say. Here's I, the thing. That's They're, the real thing for me. We haven't seen enough of the market set to really get a good idea of what is and isn't enough, or what what's going to do it. Because um, I mean, the the real blockbuster so far, Joe, is the, is the Muzzin deal, right? Um, right. Beyond that, there hasn't been, you know, in particular, a deal where we have a very good idea of okay, okay, this is what the going rate's going to be like, and it it sounds strange to say like, well, why would that set the price for a prospect like that? Well, it's because it just gives us an idea of what teams are willing to give up. Um, you know, are teams willing to do like the Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat deal? Um, because that's kind of what this is in the ballpark of to me, just like without taking a deeper look at it. Like, uh, this is a prospect that, you know, everyone was saying is a very, very special player. He's a can't-miss player, and all of a sudden now, he, apparently he's he can be had, and what does that mean? What will that cost? And, you know, I'm sure the Predators are going to want to get, you know, a big return. The good news for Rangers fans who are interested in someone like Tolvanen is the Rangers have... They really don't have any obstacles in terms of making a trade. They can give up... They can give, you know, they can give scoring wingers. They can give a center. They can, you know, give up. Uh, they can throw in someone like McQuaid just to sweeten the pot and give them some more defensive depth. You know, they can do. They can even do like, all right, well, we'll give up Neil Pionk. You know, there's a lot of things the Rangers can do. They can trade Gilmore. They can. I mean, the options are open because the whole roster is open, Joe. And again, those are the guys you take risks on. Those are the players that you you give an opportunity to, and you say, you know what. Here you are in the NHL, and then you, you kind of let him find. I mean, can you imagine pairing him with Kravstov next year? Yeah, sign me I, up. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly, even if it comes at the expense of Chris Kreider. And, and again, this is somebody who loves Chris Kreider. Me. I'm the person who loves Chris Kreider. You are. You're a lover. Um, You're a lover, Joe. There, there's not a ton to talk about, really, because not all that much happened since the last time that we did the podcast. But I would like to say... Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the Rangers 94 event on Friday. Yeah. My father was actually one of the people on the ice while oh. all the people were coming out. We've had season tickets in the family name for 50 years, Michael. I had Jay Wells' Stanley Cup ring on. 
That's a thing point, that happened. Which was, yeah, that was fun. It was, he came over, they gave out like the commemorative rings. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And he's like, you want to see the real one? And I said, I would absolutely like to see the real one. And he, he let me put it on. I took a picture with it. I think I tweeted it out. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, like most things that the New York Rangers do, it was a very tasteful event. It was well done. All the players came out. You know, you get a reminder of how much this organization and how much these people love Adam Graves. You get to see Leaks. You get to see Messier. And you, you relive 94. And, and I've said this before. I have very little, and by very little, I mean one New York Rangers true memory of that Stanley Cup run. It's not even a good one, but I remember everything that happened in that series from wearing out the DVD, or not the DVD, either I was a child, the VHS that, like, of the 94 Stanley Cup Championship. You know what I mean? Like, I had the VHS. It was in my dad's closet. Every day I would come home from school, I would grab it, and I would put it in, and I would watch it. So, like, the Rangers did a whole, like, they went over every series, and then obviously they spent a ton of time on the Devil Series and the, the Vancouver Series, and you're in the building, and it's the Leech Spinorama goal, and there's Meto, 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 and you just, you're back again in Game 7, and John Amarante singing the anthem, and you can't even hear him, and there's, like, this moment of cohesive, just, holy fuck, this is what it was like. And it reminded yeah. me of 2014, just the, every Stanley Cup run has stories, right? Whether you win or lose. Like, I was thinking to myself how incredible it was that the Rangers had all of these, like, telling moments in the 94 Cup run. They had just as many in 2014. It just, it comes with the territory. And, like, there is this intoxicating, oh, my God, we need to get back here as fast as possible feeling that comes with that. But as Mark Messier said during his like speech, and now we turn to the current team, and it was like, oh, right. The Rangers cannot rush this. If I've learned anything from just watching some other rebuilds that have been done by other teams, like the Edmontons of the world, it, it, you don't rush. You got to slow cook this team. You have to. If you try to jump over these hurdles, and Panarin is one thing, but like you can't go, you gotta continue looking for as many assets as you can, trading for all the lottery picks yeah. that you can, moving in the direction where you're going after prospects, you're trying to build this the right way. You need those cost controlled players. I'm not I'm not saying you pass up on talent. If you can get Carlson on a five year deal, you do it. Obviously, um, if you can get Panarin in general, you do it because it's hard to get superstars in the NHL. But you, you can't waste assets. And as much as what the Rangers did in 94 was wonderful, they didn't build the team that way in 2014. And then they kind of lost themselves once they lost that series. They went in a completely different direction. And that's why we're here. So just like a word of warning, it's very easy to sit there and say, wow, we got to get back to that again. No, you don't. Trust me, you don't. Not, yeah, you not like that. You, you can't you hurry your way it. back to being a, a competitive team that's competitive. And especially because the blueprint that won the Cup in 94, Joe, was... Not the blueprint that wins it now. Yeah, it was an eccentric coach uh, who was very demanding of his team. And he did things like, say, uh, Mike Gartner, uh, Hall of Fame winger. Uh, you know, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, one of the fastest players to ever play the game. I don't like him, Joe. 
trade him for Glenn Anderson. Let's get another former Oiler in here. Like they did some trades where you could argue that they made the team worse, but they just made the team more Keenan's team. And you know, of course, it's important that you know the sum of the the parts is greater, you know, than than what you have there. But like it's I don't know. It's looking at it. The Rangers got the Cup in '94, and then they they really chased. You know what I mean? They gave up a lot to keep to keep going for it, and they spent tons of money. And it, it was an era where there was no. You know, a much different thing than what we deal with now with the salary well, cap. And uh, if they didn't win the Stanley Cup that year, like it, the world would have ended. Yeah, you, you it traded really ended. you. That's literally the epitome of like, okay, I've taken a second mortgage out of my house. Here's the deed on my house. Here's yeah, like my Tony children's. Amani. Yeah, yeah. This, here, oh here's God. anything that I can possibly use as collateral, and you push every chip into the middle of the table, and you're looking at 15 on blackjack, and you say, "Hit me." That's what it is. And the Rangers got a six, and they hit 21, and they won the Stanley Cup. But like, think about how far back that organization would have been set. You know, set back if they didn't win that Stanley Cup. Now, the Rangers were very good the next year, and, you know, I think even maybe potentially the year after that. Um, but no, they were a good team for a while, but they once did. Once 97 pay. came. Oh, 97, actually, they went back to the conference final, yeah. right? They lost to Florida, right? If I'm not mistaken, because Gretzky was on that team. And then I think started the dark years, because that's a big fall off. That from like that team where everything kind of works and meshes, but everybody's like right at the end of their usefulness. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's not. And, and I mean, again, here's the next, you know, issue that you deal with when you look at this. Who's your Messier this year? I'm not even talking about the mythical captain status. Who's your fucking superstar? Zabanajad. I mean, not to take anything away from Zabanajad, who I think is excellent. He's not Messier. You know who? Who's your leech? Who's your graves? The Rangers yeah, don't. That, yeah, they don't have enough. I mean, you have your Richter, but as Lundqvist has unfortunately been shown, it's not enough. And this is not to like. I'm not trying to downplay the potentially 80 point season that Zabanajad's having and how well Kreider's playing and Zuccarello and Hayes and some of those guys that aren't going to be here anymore. It's just that has to be the question. If you have a shot at a superstar, if you have a shot at high upside, like can Kravstov be that guy? probably not going to be Messier. There's only one Messier. There's very few players who are ever going to be in that that kind of, you know, tier of player. But you need your superstars. I mean, Vancouver had Bure, who I think was one of the best pure goal scorers to ever play the game. If his fucking knees weren't so glass-ridden, I think he would easily have broken the goals record that Ovechkin's chasing right now. But it's there's just a you got to build the right kind of team, and this comes back to what we keep circling around. The Rangers can't keep going after second, third line talent. You got to swing for the fences, and you can't overpay. Um, nope. And free agency, like they have to draft. Like I, I understand why they make decision decisions to draft guys like Leah Anderson. Uh, I don't think you rebuild with guys like Leah Anderson. I think. Those are fine players, and like, there's this is not against Leah Anderson, by the way. This is more a critique of, you know, the scouting and, and selection process. You know, the brain trust of you know Gordy Clark in the front office that goes into the draft and says this is what we want. Then again, it's also that that very same group, you know, that takes Kravstov, where they take some. You know, they show that they have you know 
balls so big you wonder how they're able to sit down. But you look at what you know what the Rangers have done here uh, so far, and it's clear that you know, like you said, Joe, they they got a lot of work to do, and it is going to be very interesting to see how many picks and prospects they get on the other side of the trade deadline. Because, Joe, it's two weeks away right now, Joe. It's two weeks away. Yeah, it's, I mean... And it's here. It's, it's, it's here. I mean, this is around the time last season when stuff started to heat up in a big way. And to the point where a lot of people were saying, you know, uh, you know, have all the big deals happened already? And then, of course, the Rangers had, you know, the blockbuster of the deadline. Um you know, in the McDonough-Miller trade. And literally at the last moment of the day. Yeah, literally at, you know, just, you know, when the, the clock was striking 12. And I don't know, but it's, it's there's so much that can change with this team and how we think, the how things are headed in the next two weeks. And a lot of that's going to be out of the Rangers' hands, frankly, because there are only certain teams that are going to be calling and looking for for what they want, and they're only going to be willing to give up what they want. The bottom line is the Rangers have to get the best deals. They don't. The, Gorton can't care about where these players are going. He can't make the mistakes that we've seen Ottawa make. You know, you just got to get whatever you can get. That's the best deal. Period. End of story. That's all that matters. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you're not going to lose them for nothing. So, if it's not the deal you want and you wait it out again, it kind of. Uh, I don't know. I can't shake this feeling that Gordon kind of missed the boat, but that also insinuates that like there were deals on the table that he didn't take, and I don't know if that's true or not. So just from a speculative standpoint, it just feels like the New York Rangers, they got some work to do, and that's fine, right? Like yeah. We knew that was going to be kind of the case. Oh, you know what I should ask you, Joe? What did you think of the, uh, the follow-up to the letter to the fans? So you're going to laugh really hard. I saw the follow-up, mm-hmm. started reading it, thought it was the original letter to the fans, and then stopped reading it. And then once I realized it was a follow-up, I never went back and read it. See, I only skimmed it. And you and I, I, even, uh, you and I so, do a Rangers podcast. Neither of us read this letter. So this is a terrible, this is terrible podcasting oh. right now. Just the worst. Well, really shame on me for having more faith in you than myself, really, I guess. Well, I mean, I have tons of faith in me in general, and I often let myself down. So how does that feel? I mean, it yeah, feels fine right, for me. It's, you have to look yeah. in the mirror every day. You son of a bitch. Uh, Patreon supporters, have you given us your address yet? Because Michael has been sending out letters. Yeah, I sent and out the first, far uh, more the first round stickers of stickers that are sitting on his desk untouched like a virgin. And uh, then, how many of you have given your address? Honestly, I'll just cover my cat in the stickers if you guys don't want them. So, well, that's not nice. His fur will get all. That's yeah, so, yeah, I know. What? I didn't think that through. Yeah, you you're a terrible person. Um, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Cower, Chris B, Chris Habibi, Chris O'Connor, Dan Carosi, Daniel Dejem, Danny Santiago. David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, and Panerwin2020. Thank you all for donating. I sent oh, Eric Cohn some stickers, Joe. Second page. Hang on. There's a second page. Uh, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kepner, and Zachary Zetlin. I knew we missed a few of you. Um, 
Thank you all so much for donating. Please give us your address. If you give us your address, we will send you stickers. And if you are in the $10 tier, guess what? You get a mug. Don't you want to drink coffee out of a Bantering the Blue Shirts mug? Yeah, we have to place our orders for those mugs soon, bud. Got to figure uh, that one out. Well, we need to figure out who I the mean... fuck has addresses. <laughs> so... You know, we can't do I mean, one without the other. The thing is, we're trying to give you guys the things you've earned. It's not even right, free stuff. It's stuff that you've earned. You know, it's, you've earned this. Yeah, it's just like ah! you, you've supported this show, and now you're refusing our gift to you. So you know what? We're gonna. I'm saying your... right now, if you don't, if we don't get a bunch more of these addresses, and I'm gonna force feed Joe some of these stickers. Uh, I'll take them. I'll put a sticker everywhere. I don't care. Will you Even put a sticker in, in your daughter's uh, crib? No. My daughter, listen to this. This will be, I guess, the final thing of the podcast since we've gone completely off topic. Um, she is, she walks over to the chairs in the dining room. She g- gently lifts the like the one leg up, Yeah. rips off the felt like thing that stops and then she just walks around with it in her hand where like it sticks to her hand and i have to pull it off so i'm gonna we're gonna do that with the stickers if you don't give us your address so we these are nice stickers too mike paid a little extra for the vinyl yeah they're high quality stickers so give us your address I i love the people and i said why not spend a little bit more and now I've got... I sent one of the stickers to Australia, though. One of our uh, patrons is from Australia. Ooh. Wow. I had to ask the nice person at the uh, the post office. I said, what do we do for uh, mailing a sticker to Australia? And she said, just get an international stamp, hun. And I said, okay. Yeah, you didn't have to be nasty about it. Okay? Yeah, I don't yeah, know she didn't stamps, have to talk down obviously. to me the way she did. Yeah, but you know what? answering your question. I do look like a like a, a, a guy who's in a biker gang who like, became a born Christian. She called you hun. I it's get called, called hun. hun and sweetie a lot. Do you really? All the time. Like that's a. I feel like a southern thing is like, oh, bless your heart. You're like, you know, when uh, if you're on the train and they punch your ticket, um, without fail, if it's a if it's a woman punching my ticket, I get called hun or sweetie. What they say things to you? Yeah, I say thanks so much because I always talk to people because I'm not an animal, and I okay. get uh, I get hun and sweetie. Well, I don't see any reason not to end on that horrific tale. Um, I think it's nice. I I, I mean, it's it's a little, you know, it's a little strange. People are just calling you hun. Now you're making me feel bad about it. They're just, they're hooking up with you on trains. You know, your daughter's weird, and she picks up dirty things. How do you like that? Well, well, now you've made this very personal. Yep, I did, because you made it personal with me and the show. I've got... I've gotten it on the record, and everybody and heard you being mean to my cute little daughter. And I was being um, mean to you. She can't even understand proud, words yet. I hope you're proud of what what you've done. I hope you hope you are. Uh, let's hope that the soothing outtones of Johnny Moore. Johnny Moore. Uh, did you raise your hand for a reason? I was just trying to piss you off. I forgot to send Johnny Moore a sticker. God damn it! Oh, I told you to come remind on. me. He he's the one who deserves them the most. Well, anyway, listen to me. the soothing outtones of Johnny Moore so that you don't listen to this family fight. <laughs>